The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Pachak. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from the Black Archives, it's Doctor Who, Pachak. Elizabeth told us where to find it and its significance. You okay? Who was that? Who was it? Me. The other me. The one I don't talk about. I don't understand. I've had many faces, many lives. I don't admit to all of them. There's one life I've tried very hard to forget. He was the doctor who fought in the Time War, and that was the day he did it. The day I did it. The day he killed them all. The last day of the Time War. The war to end all wars between my people and the Daleks. And in that battle, there was a man with more blood on his hands than any other. A man who would commit a crime that would silence the universe. And that man was me. The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 286. And this is Louis Trapani, and joining me on this episode is the one and only Dave A.C. Cooper from Across the Pond. Hey, Dave. Uh, 1,900,001. Uh, oh, I've lost count now, Louis. I'll start 400 again. years, and you lost count? <laughs> That's all yeah, it takes well. is 400 years? <laughs> it takes a long time to count all those children. I lose. <laughs> I often wonder that myself. How? I mean, after. Okay. Well, before we go any further, <laughs> before we go any further, I gotta play this. Spoilers. Spoilers again. Spoilers. 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 All right. So Spoilers. you guys get the idea. Uh, this episode, if you haven't realized by that opening clip, is going to be um, a review episode of the 50th anniversary special, Doctor Who, The Day of the Doctor. Be warned now, we're assuming that you have seen it, so whatever comes after this could be spoily, you know, in nature. So I was going to say, to that point about counting the children, I don't know how 
the doctor can count the Gallifrey's gone. So how can he count how many children there were? I mean, it's just like at any given moment. I mean, we can't really tell how many children there are on on Earth right now. I mean, we we have senses and whatever, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure maybe Gallifrey is a little bit more organized, but still, why would the doctor? I don't know. But well, actually, it's a little. I think it's a little tidbit. I think that. Right, I think the figure they actually picked was probably very close to the number of the children on Earth at the moment because, as we all know, we've just passed the 7 billion mark of people living uh, on our planet. And if you assume, I mean, let's face it, some countries, uh, you know, a third of the population are under 18, some of these very young countries. Mm -hmm. So I would think uh, 2.7 billion, I think it was somewhere around there, is probably a pretty good uh, guesstimate of how many there are on Earth. So basically, we can assume that Gallifrey would have had a similar, I don't know, yeah, similar similar population to Earth, doesn't it? Maybe. It's, it's anything's possible. <laughs> and, and we only know the name of two cities as far as I know, so <laughs> Arcadia and Gallifrey, so pretty crowded cities. I, we have to assume there are others, but again, that's all territory for maybe uh, the future. Because um, well, uh, because maybe now Gallifrey has a future. Yeah, well, if I remember you saying ages and ages ago, they only seem to be men on Gallifrey in the classic series. Well, that's true. You know, you had obviously we had Romana, and uh, but you know, <laughs> generally it, it seems to be um, at least um, as far as uh, Time Lords, though. That, um, you know, but that, but that's that, that, that you know maybe the first few episodes, but you know then you had uh, Flavia and um, you know like in Trial of the Time Lord you had you you had other time you had Time Ladies as well. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So, you know, like everything, the series has matured over fifty years, and you know I know some people get critical over Doctor Who, you know, saying oh it's this, it's racist, it's that, or whatever. And, you know, it's reflective of the times that it was made. I'm not saying that was, you know, I'm not apologizing for it, but like all television, it's a product of, of the times. And, you know, barriers are always being broken on television and other mediums. So like Doctor Who, uh, it, it's crossed these barriers, you know, with television as those barriers were broken. So um, if you single out a, a certain point in time in Doctor Who, you could be critical of this or that, but, you know, I, I think it's matured over its 50 years, and it's... So hopefully we'll see a better ratio of um, of genders and sexes and all yeah. that. Yeah, Ian, you shouldn't have sidetracked us like that. Let's get back <laughs> on topic. Well, yeah, we, we, well, we were almost coming from the... Was it the underground gallery? The gallery underground. It's... Um, <laughs> we were joking in, in, from, from a sandy from a sandy basement from yes. yeah that uh, well sandy was in my basement <laughs> sandy was uh in my in my bed in, in in my sofa and she's not very pleasant so i i rather have that gallifreyan sand that the doctor tastes you know well I, I, there's some statues with covers over them but when i looked over them i just okay, saw yeah past doctors but uh, we'll get into that into another episode <laughs> well um it's it's such a marvelous weekend it's coming off of, i mean for me the 50th anniversary started on the 23rd but for me it's going to continue on until the 51st anniversary so even but but there was just so much doctor who 
material and, and goodness and um, just so much to absorb this past weekend with the with the actual anniversary special with um, I think a day or two before that was an adventure in time and uh, an adventure in space and time which documented you know how the series got off the ground originally and we're going to review that in our next episode and uh, we also had the 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 five-ish doctors reboot which was a comedy um, stink that headed by um directed and um uh, produced by i think peter davison but had everyone else that was connected to the show in it we're going to review that too in, in our next episode but what we want to do is focus on the day of the doctor in this episode and uh, um you know and, and we welcome your feedback too so when we get um you know you can send in your feedback later on and and see what you you know we want to hear what you have to say about it too but but before we go any further there's a few news items um, to kind of cover in our news section. Yeah, we couldn't have the news without that. <laughs> <laughs> the the series um, in spring it concluded with the the name of the Doctor. That was the name of that episode. And then just recently we had the mini episode, which was the Night of the Doctor, which was sort of okay. a lead into the Day of the Doctor. So now the Christmas special is um, coming up in in about a month. It's as we record this, it's the twenty seventh of November. So in just a little less than a month now, we'll have the Christmas special, and the BBC has confirmed the title to be the Time of the Doctor. So I thought it was the Time of the Rani. Sure, it's the Time of the Doctor. Now it's the time of the that that was her time. Now it's his time. So uh, this, uh, you know, I spoke about, I, I mentioned in our last episode, I wish the titles weren't so similar because I was, we were talking about the name of the Doctor, the, the night of the Doctor, and the day of the Doctor, and I was getting all my, you know, Doctors mixed up. And you said, well, it's not the first time Doctor Who had done that with the Daleks. You had Revelation of the Daleks, Resemblance of the Daleks, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we had the last day, little. Well, that, that's the only thing breaking it apart. That we had the last day, sort of that mini episode that break the broke the pat the pattern. Otherwise, we would have had uh, like four episodes. If you include the mini episodes as episodes, we would have four episodes with uh, like you know very similar titles. So yeah, it's um, and well, I'm going to get to this in the view, but um, it seems to be. It seems from the from the clips that we have seen of it, which has been very short, the teaser video that's been out so far has it was only like thirteen or eleven seconds. It was it was very short. So by the time this podcast goes out, maybe there might be something of greater length available. But as of right now, there's just a short video uh, teaser trailer for the um, the time of the Doctor. So it doesn't give too much away, but it seems to be. Um, more akin to picking up maybe where where name of the doctor left off more so than the day of the doctor but i guess i'll talk more about that in our review well they have really shown a couple of pictures as well and surprise surprise there's lots of other snow that's the only spoiler <laughs> i'll give well and it also um and again this isn't uh, so much a spoiler since it is um, it, it is in the teaser trailer and and the and the promo artwork that's available. So we know the Cybermen are back, and which um, has me a little worried because the last time the Cybermen were in a Christmas special, I didn't think they worked out too well. You know, I, I didn't think the um, you know the, n not that the whole 
episode or special was a failure, but I just didn't think the Cybermen, I, I didn't think they worked too well with exploding heads and giant Cybermen and, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> those cyber dogs, they were those, uh, whatever they call them, those little... Cyber shades, yeah. cyber shades. <laughs> so, um, but we'll see, you know, keeping an open mind. So in um, in other news, well, speaking of Day of the Doctor, it was um, not only was it televised simultaneously around the world on the twenty third, which I, you know is a first of that of the, of the kind for Doctor Who. It was also um, it's it was also in three D. It was also in cinemas at select locations, uh, which I, originally I thought was only going to be in three D, but. After the fact, I had found out that um, there were there were also two D showings as well, so that had brought in over ten million dollars for, uh, and it was only out for a, it was only a, a limited um, like a one or two day engagement. So it's um, you know quite impressive. Oh, it's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, uh, uh, they must have been absolutely delighted because um, uh, with with the figures for the US and the UK. Uh, the thing that struck me was the the fact that there, there were capacity audiences because uh, apparently they they go on something that I wasn't completely aware of. But one of the the good ways of working out whether it's successful is not so much how many screens it's on, although obviously that does have an impact. But how how what's the number of dollars you get for each screening, mm -hmm. and um, it outperformed like the Hunger Games in that respect in terms of the 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 income. Per screening, it was over fourteen thousand dollars per when averaged out with the screens and so on, as against a slightly slower lower figure. I think for that, you mentioned the in the in the in the UK, it made uh, what one point seven million. That's two point two million dollars. It was third place in the box office for the weekend. The fiftieth anniversary special. It was therefore behind only the blockbuster, the Hunger Games, and Catching Fire and Gravity. But uh, I mean, it is it is really uh, fabulous. But when I mean, you consider uh, that it when it was tele, it's not like a new you know the other movies weren't televised just a few days before. I mean, if you're if you were in the UK, you could have seen it for free. You know, of course, you pay the license fee for the BBC and all that. But I'm just saying, you know, and, and here in the States, if you have BBC America, you could have seen it. Or if you, like myself, if you get it through iTunes or Amazon, you, I mean, it wasn't all just everything that was in the, t there was additional stuff that was added to it. From, um, from those that did go to see it, they reported back that there's a little intro by Strax instructing you how to behave during the movie, um, no, no social media and all that. Which, by the way, if it's the same exact one, BBC America has it on their YouTube channel. So if you want to check it out, there's a short little clip of that. Uh, there was also some other, I think, like trivia, like stills that they were showing, like like a slideshow maybe before the movie started, and um, maybe like a couple other things too. That you know, they, they I, th I think they added some of the behind the scenes, uh, like a, a behind the scenes, a, a, a like a short confidential, you know, of the making of it, which I believe. Uh, Dave, you had mentioned that it's um, available now on is that BBC released well, a video of it. Uh, it's been on the red button today. I think it ended oh, okay. at midnight today, but it, it might be on again. But it's um, it's called Behind the Lens, of course, a play on Behind the Sofa, isn't it? That yes. Title. 
behind the lens. Uh, but yeah, but just going back to the actual movie, I mean, there were people not just going to see it once, they were going to see it more than once. In fact, uh, I, uh, somebody I was reading online, uh, one of the listeners, I think, was uh, saying that they nearly got spoiled when they were in line because the people in, in the line with them had already seen it at an earlier show yeah. and were queuing up again and suddenly talking about the plot in the in the queue. So I don't know whether they should kick this guy in the shins or whatever, but to my mind, she was entitled to do so. <laughs> uh, uh, but, um, you know, uh, usually people are very thoughtful. I mean, we must remember the, the last screen that went ahead and uh, nothing was leaked out about that. Uh, and that was the spoiler about the, uh, the, the, the asylum one, the Daleks one, the... The, the really big spoiler in there, nobody leaked that out who'd well, seen that at the earlier screening. So, you know, the but, fans can be good about this. Yeah, but like I was saying, that many people may have seen it already on television and now we're going to see it in the theatre. Now, hats off to those that held out and didn't watch it on television and stayed away from social media, stayed away from the internet for for two days, whatever, before they went to the theatre to see it. Because I, you know, I, I know several people that did that that went in there fresh. So, I mean, it was hard enough just to hold off until like iTunes got it before I was able to watch it and, and to not be exposed to anything, you know, cause I, I, I didn't, I wasn't getting it simultaneously, <laughs> you know, right. which I, and I also, well, I'll, I'll get into that later, but I, you know, I, I think fans need to be just somewhat considerate. Um, I'm not saying you can't post spoilers, but just, give enough warning and don't you know if you're posting a picture don't post a spoiler picture that's going to be you know that you can't turn away from if you you know if you have like a message thread and saying this contains spoilers and you have to enter that message in order to you know you have to opt in to it in order to, you know it gives the fans a decision okay do i want the spoilers or not and then they can go in and yeah. and choose but when it's just you know like on facebook it's it's like images are just displayed to you on your feed. You don't have a choice. You can't, it's not like you have to click to open it. So that's why right. I'm, I'm saying, you know, especially with images to be careful with that. And, you know, you know, text, you can yeah, sort yeah. of hide on, on, you know, say open here or, or come here or whatever, or scroll down or whatever, but um, you can't really hide images the way they are, the way they work. Uh, this is, it's Kathy O'Keefe. Uh, it was fantastic. Nearly got spoiled by three idiots speaking loud while waiting in line to go in after they'd seen it in the morning. They almost too told us who was in it. So uh, I hope I hope she gave them a good hefty kick on the shins. Uh, the only picture spoiler you want to see is uh, our Perry G in his uh, Cutlin T-shirt at the theatre with his 3D yeah, glasses Yeah, quite on. handsome. That's the only spoiler picture yeah. you want to see. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, uh, I was talking uh, earlier... Uh, no, it was yesterday to... Uh, a guy called Jorvik is, uh, you know, is into sci-fi. Listen to Podshock and uh, and and other great Doctor Who podcasts, and uh, he's uh, he's got um, a 3D TV, and he said it looked like uh, even even on. I mean, he's got a fairly big TV, maybe I don't know, 55, 60 inches. He said it looked fabulous on that. It really, you know, looked the business. He was blown away with the quality. So he'd not seen anything like that really. Uh, that had made. Because sometimes, as we know, 3D can be rather gimmicky. Yeah. Uh, apparently, of course, uh, th there was some penalty in terms of... Uh, I was reading a little bit about it that uh, we may forget that although we've just had this screen, they actually started filming somewhere like April or March or something of this year. Uh, and with uh, many of the CGI scenes, of, well, actually for all the CGI, 
they had to basically film it twice and then, you know, computerize it together. So it was a rather massive undertaking. And as we unfortunately know here in the UK, that's going to be the uh, the last uh, 3D production we're going to see from the two, uh, from the BBC for a while. They're, they're shelving any plans for future 3D at the moment uh, because in the whole of the country, there's, there's probably only what... Um, well, there's probably more 3D TVs now, but apparently only about one in five or one in ten people who have a TV that's 3D capable actually have a 3D source uh, because, of course, they're now smart TVs. They're, um, um, they buy it for the smart feature, for the, mm, you know, the, yeah. the wireless connected sure. rather than the 3D. Yeah. And by the way, one quick thing. I've, I saw in Manchester this week um, a demonstration of a 4K TV. And the picture is so good and so sharp, it, it's almost 3D without being 3D. Yeah, we, uh, we spoke so about this. picture information. Well, yeah. Well, 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 it's almost that. like looking out through the window. We, we, we were talking about this a couple episodes ago. Oh, hang on, hang on. There's a man in a black suit with a big head just next to me. <laughs> it's gone now. Who, who's gone? I haven't seen anybody. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, um... It was uh, it was great, uh, and, and uh, those people who have been to see it seem to be extremely happy with it, and uh, and also it's very nice for and quite unusual, of course, for for Doctor Who fans outside of conventions, meeting like-minded people. Yeah, no, it's you know seeing some of the uh, pictures, you know, photos that people had taken while at the at the cinema. There were uh, people that were dressed up in cosplay, and you know the, the people were really making um, like an event of it. You know, I, and, and it varied from theater to theater. I, I've heard other reports of people being disappointed that that wasn't going on, but you know, it's it, it, I guess it might depend on the theater and the, and the times that you went to, but there depending on the crowd that you were with if there were a lot of Doctor Who fans that were sporting, you know, costumes and props and all that, I guess it would be a little bit more fun. But right. That that behind this that behind the lens um documentary, do you know how the running length of that? Do you have an idea how long no, that is? No, I I I did watch it, but it, the, the trouble is uh, what they do on the the red button for those who don't know is that they run it in a loop. So as soon as it gets to the end, it starts at the beginning. I see. Now, quite handily, we don't have adverts. So you, you can't think, oh, it's just ended because we're having an advert before it restarts. It, it was very good. Uh, the, the, the the information I picked up from uh, bits without being spoilish, because this was behind the scenes anyway, was basically that John Hurt only had a few days to actually make up his mind uh, whether to take this role. Uh, he didn't really actually need long to do it, but it didn't mean he didn't have a great deal of time to prepare, although, as we will probably mention when we review it, he did, a, to my mind, a masterly performance, mm -hmm. and that wasn't a pun. Uh, <laughs> and um, also the fact that um, it was narrated by Colin uh, Colin Maker. So, and that, that Colin had a lovely moment because uh, he was behind the scenes doing the voice, and then at the end... Uh, they focused on him with his sort of microphone gear and that and turns to the camera and, uh, you know, I'm Colin Baker, I was the sixth doctor. And and uh, then there were a few congratulations and happy anniversaries to uh, Doctor Who. So it was a very, very, very nice little homage and uh, uh, I'll probably try and catch it uh, going at the beginning and come out at the end and watch it 
as it was meant. But, um, yeah, very, very nice thing. I mean, um, we've almost got snowed under with Doctor Who stuff, having had the drought here in the UK. Of course, in America, as we said, uh, BBC America has drip-fed this sort of material a little bit more evenly. Well, to that point, BBC America has... If you go to their YouTube channel, you'll see that they have some behind the scenes that I'm trying to remember the exact terminology, you know, sort of like the making of or the the insider, whatever of inside the making of Day of the Doctor, that type of thing. And there's only it's only like a couple of them that are maybe three, possibly four. And each of them were maybe two to three at most four minutes long. I think one was only one minute long. So it's not a lot, but. It gives you a little behind. If you, if, in other words, if you don't have access to the red button, um, which I'm sure is more verbose and and uh, you know longer and and probably more, um, you know, intense as far as what it covers. So, but this gives you some some nice stuff there. So if you, it's, again, it's on YouTube. It's should be available. Um, I'm hoping, you know, not just in the U.S., but I'm hoping those in the U.K. can see it too, because it seems like BBC America has content that that on their youtube channel that bbc that bbc proper doesn't have on their youtube channel and vice versa so you can go back and forth and you know get you know piece them together right i like i said they have that strax intro you know um, instructing the audience not to you know not to tweet and (laughs) during the movie you know (laughs) so you know, you know, he does his silly. He, he does. The only, I mean, I love Strax, but the only thing is now it's sort of like, you know, are, are the Santarans going to be feared? Because he's he come he's become such a like a funny, lovable character that you know it's it's going to be hard to take the Santarans you know seriously now again if they ever show up. No, uh, uh, well, I I think he's the exception that proves the rule, and of course it yeah. was his punishment in a way, wasn't it? And and just by the way, checking uh, the behind the lens. Uh, the day of the doctor, uh, thirty minutes ten seconds. The running time. Yeah, so it's much longer than what BBC America has. But I, whether or not, I don't know if these, are, if, if whatever the BBC America has is taken from that. I don't know since I haven't seen behind the lens. But um, it's worth checking out. There's uh, th- there's one that actually goes back to um, you know they show clips from from past episodes going back to John Pertwee and Tom Baker. So. Sometimes uh, you see these like behind the scenes stuff and it only features, you know, from 2005 to current Doctor Who and, and they ignore anything before, you know, the series came back. So I was glad to see that it was inclusive with showing some scenes from previous older Doctors. Excellent. I believe well, I should have done that in the Cyberman voice, shouldn't I? Excellent. Excellent. Oh. <laughs> Since they're coming back for Christmas. Excellent. Well, we'll be right back with our review of day the day of the doctor this is matt smith and you're listening to doctor who podshock Doctor Who's 50th anniversary celebrations continue and we're going to continue that with our selection of an audiobook for this episode's recommendation for Audible. As you know, Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre. Yes, including science fiction and Doctor Who, but so much more. You know, they have stuff uh, that covers romance, comedy, thrillers, business, you name it. Audible has it. 
Audible plays on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, over 500 devices for your listening um, anytime and anywhere. Now for you, Doctor Who Podshock listeners, Audible is offering a free, yes, a free audio book download with a free 30-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. Now to download your free audiobook, you know, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook today. If you turn out you don't like this audiobooks or this selections, you can always cancel and keep that free audiobook. And what we're going to do is, um, since it's, uh, it's the we're reviewing Day of the Doctor here, and, well, there's no audiobooks, to my knowledge, covering the War Doctor, not yet, but we're going to cover one of the Doctors in this story, which is the Tenth Doctor. This is part of the 50th anniversary um, collection of audiobooks that are available, and this is called The Mystery of Haunted Co- This is called The Mystery of the Haunted Cottage. It's by Derek Landy. And it's narrated by Ian Hanmore. It's a story in which the TARDIS lands on a planet which is not unlike Earth, but it's populated by fictional characters. Now, those longtime Doctor Who uh, fans out there may recall that the second Doctor had an adventure similar to that where he winded up in the land of fiction. And here the Doctor recalls some of that in this clip from, once again, Doctor Who, The Mystery of the Haunted Cottage. The smallest boy said. It's a straight path. We'll let you get back to your picnic then, the doctor said, and they were immediately assailed by a chorus of spirited goodbyes that actually made Martha take a step backwards. And the next moment, the children were walking again and chatting and laughing among themselves as if they had never been interrupted. The path they were on continued down the hill swerved gently around an old country cottage and disappeared into the woodland behind. The whole thing looked like a painting on a cheap postcard, and with the kids in the foreground, it reminded Martha of... The trouble seekers, she said. The doctor looked at her. I'm sorry? The books. The trouble seekers' books. Have you never read them? The trouble seekers, the doctor said... Thirty-two children's books written by Annette Billingsley over the course of fifteen years from 1951. No, never read them. They were rubbish. Rip-off of the famous Five and the Secret Seven. Ah, Enid Blyton. I met her once, you know. Odd woman. Unusual ears. Well, Martha said, speaking quickly before the doctor could go off on another one of his tangents, I read The Trouble Seekers. I devoured them. From the Troubleseeker's Oath printed on the title page to the list of the other books at the back, I read every little bit. And this, this here, is the cover of The Mystery of the Haunted Cottage. It's the first one I ever read. This house, this angle, this time of day, everything. And those kids, I know them all. The tallest one is Humphrey. He's the no-nonsense leader. The girl with dark hair is Joanne, but she insists on everyone calling her Joe because she's the tomboy. Then there's Simon. He's always trying to prove himself, so he gets into the most trouble. And the youngest is Gertie. She makes scones lathered with jam. Jam lathered scones. I see. And they're usually shadowed by... Ah, there he is! She nodded to a nearby tree where a child was hiding, peeking out at them occasionally. The little fat boy! The doctor raised an eyebrow. What? 
Martha said defensively, keeping her voice down. That's how he was described in the books. Don't blame me. This was 1951. Everything back then was blinkered, sexist, and ever so slightly racist. It was a backward time. Ah, yes, said the doctor, because 2007 has none of those things. Martha ignored him. The little overweight child wanted to join the trouble seekers, but it always proved too annoying, and every time they'd send him away, he'd run off and tattle on them. What was his name, though? It's on the tip of my tongue. It was a nickname, something everyone called him, even his aunt and uncle. The doctor sighed. Was it Fatty by any chance? That's it, said Martha, nodding. Fatty! Yes, that's him. Children can be so cruel, the doctor said. Children's writers can be even worse. Doctor, Martha said, having no other choice but to ask the question, are we... are we in a book... We're not in a book. We can't be in a book. The doctor looked around. We might be in a book. He started walking. Martha followed. How is that possible? It's happened before, he said, then shrugged. Well, sort of. Long time ago. Well, not that long, relatively speaking. And since time is relative, relatively speaking is how we speak, is it not? The doctor plucked a daisy as he walked, held it up to the sun, examining it. It was essentially a pocket universe where fictional characters were real. I met all sorts of people. Gulliver, Serrano de Bergerac, the Three Musketeers, Medusa, even Rapunzel. However, however, travelling to the land of fiction meant leaving our own universe, and we haven't done that. How can you tell? He stopped walking and let the daisy drop. The air tastes funny in other universes, like boiled cabbage and wet dog. So we're not in the land of fiction, but we do seem to be in a land replicating a work of fiction. Can you remember how this particular story ended? Sorry, said Martha. You read more than three Trouble Seekers books, and they all blur into one big rose-tinted mess. Excellent, the doctor said, beaming. Then we'll get to solve this one for ourselves. Come along. They walked down the hill after the trouble-seekers, who didn't even look around at the sound of their footsteps. Not the most alert kids ever, in Martha's opinion. So this could be your free audiobook selection. It doesn't have to be. You could choose anything that Audible has to offer. Again, to get your free audiobook download, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. Good afternoon. I'm looking for the doctor. Well, you've certainly come to the right place. Good, right. Well, who are you boys? Oh, of course. Are you his companions? His companions? They get younger all the time. Well, if you could point me in the general direction of the doctor. Really? Yeah. Really. You're me? Both of you? Yup. In that one? Yes. You're my future self? Yes. Am I having a midlife crisis? <laughs> Why are you pointing your screwdrivers like that? They're scientific instruments, not water pistols. 
Look like you've seen a ghost. Bill, loving the posh, gravelly things. Very convincing. <laughs> Brave words, Dick Van Dyke. Oh, it's 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 Which of you is the doctor? The Queen of England is bewitched. I would have the doctor's head. Well, this has all the makings of your lucky day. I think there's three of them now. There's a precedent for that. What is that? Oh, the pointing again! They're screwdrivers! What are you gonna do? Assemble a cabinet at them? That thing. What witchcraft is it? Ah, yes! Now that you mention it, that is witchcraft. Yes, yes, yes. Witchy witchcraft. Hello! Hello in there. Excuse me. Hello! Am I talking to the wicked witch of the well? He means you. Why am I the witch? Clara! Hello? Clara, hi. Hello. Hello. Would you mind telling these prattling mortals to get themselves begone? What he said. Just a tiny bit more colour. Right. Prattling mortals, off you pop, or I'll turn you all into frogs. Oh, frogs. Nice, you heard her. <laughs> Doctor, what's going on? It's, uh, it's a timey-wimey thing. Timey what? Timey-wimey? I've, I've no idea where he picks that stuff up. <laughs> well, welcome back to Dr. Upadchak. And as you can see, we are reviewing the Day of the Doctor, the 50th anniversary special, the 50th anniversary Doctor Who special. Hang on. I sure it wasn't the Monty Python movie we were just reviewing then. <laughs> it's almost could have been. A, yeah. We're just missing the Black Knight. <laughs> <laughs> the knights that mumble, is it? <laughs> well, um, it's this is the the first time that we see. Uh, well, the first, I was going to say that. The, well, it's the first time we see Matt Smith's Doctor with another Doctor. We've we've seen. Um, David Tennant with uh, with the you know if you want to count the that fifth doctor, yeah. that Christmas in Need I think it was Christmas not Christmas in Children in Need uh, special mm -hmm. where um, you know he there, there was a mini episode with him and space and, and time wasn't it something like that. I can't remember the the, the title time, it was either time and space or space and time but that goes back some years ago but memorable memorable, memorable yes yes yeah. so. It's well. I, before we start, um, I, I just want to say that it was a little surprising because you know we had and and we had done the night. No, we had done the name of the doctor. We reviewed that deliberately because at the end of the name of the name of the doctor, which was the series finale, the the season finale, whatever you want to call it, the, of 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 the of the previous previous series of this year, whatever, back in May, it it said to be continued. And if I'm not mistaken, did it say November 23rd or whatever? So it, it was sort of implied that the the anniversary special would pick up where this left off. And when the day of the doctor opens, it doesn't. And there's like no explanation. So it was sort of left hanging on, you know, how did things get resolved? I mean, we can kind of piece it together in our minds how it got resolved, but um, I was sort of expecting to kind of pick up where we left off from Name of the Doctor. Well, I, I think it was done, uh, obviously, for uh, uh, dramatic reasons. I mean, as you say, we, we actually, it ends with, uh, as far as we remember, the, the Doctor carrying Clara out of his time stream. So uh, we're not too sure how, how much time has elapsed since then, uh, whether she's trained to be a teacher, whether she's a, a teacher in training, uh, whether a month or six months or a year 
after the event. Of course, um, uh, quite a bit of time has passed for us anyway between the two events. Maybe they've taken that as real time between the last story ending and this story starting. But I think basically what it was is that um, um, it, it was it was swept uh, under the carpet for the sake of the to what my mind was a brilliant brilliant idea or opening oh because yeah. this yeah. was the 50th anniversary opening uh, episode and so uh what a great thing it was to start in black and white with the original uh, credits and theme the opening titles and yes with the and, and with the very same well not the very same but a very similar character a policeman on his beat the first person we see in the frame, as it were. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to assume. I'm going to have to assume that that policeman, the actor originally from uh, the unearthly child, was no longer with. I'm I'm assuming that he's that he's very old, but it was an older policeman. Now, it it was um he was wearing a um a bobby hat. I thought they sort of discontinued that, or am I wrong in the UK? Um. Well, in in London, they they they, they do wear okay. them. Right. But not they do have different they do have different helmets they may be more for ceremonial but um uh, yeah one of the things i always complain about uh, when these changes that you know it's a little bit like when they change notes in the country you know if you i mean in america they're coming out with a new plastic note well when i when you first see it, you might think somebody's trying to pass you off a you know not a real note they always say that in the uk you know when a, there's a new 50 pound note coming out well, I mean, I haven't got one in my pocket to compare it with, so it's the best time ever for somebody to forge it. So I, I must admit, I still like the original policeman's uniform, but they have to carry so much gear now. I think it was a little bit of a cheat, the the yeah. the, the style of the uniform, but I think it was so they had the classic shadow of the domed helmet, yeah, yeah, um, the, as well. For those that may not be aware, the, the, it was a nod, and they were mimicking how an unearthly child the very first episode of doctor who opened so if you haven't seen it yet tsk 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 better watch it it's how it all began but it's it's basically um a re um you know imagining reimagining of that they even had the the scrap metal sign the foreman um the i you know ie foreman um scrap metal sign though what they weren't at the scrap yard but it was a sign pointing to 76 totters lane yeah i, I mistook that the first time i saw it i thought it was saying 70 75 yards to it in other words you know it was that near to the school but it wasn't obviously it was the address but yeah uh, and and then you know, obviously the, saw, the school i, mean, I think you well, you're just going to say that it's the coal hill school which uh, which um it's the school that susan attended and, and ian and um, barbara toured at indeed and um of course, the um, uh, the name, the uh, the school sign, the chairman of the school governors is Ian Chesterton. Ah, see that? Course, I, didn't, uh, I didn't spot name, that. Uh, well, it was it was I Chesterton, I think, well, uh, which obviously the thing, and the headmaster was uh, W. Coburn, uh -huh. uh, a reference to Warris the scene, uh, whose son and Anthony, Anthony Coburn. Yeah. Wow. So um, there's little uh, little, yeah, so, little nuggets there, you know that you've. Oh, there were lots of them, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and, of course, we I, I think Clara, although I didn't spot it, so it to me, uh, was, had the words no more on the blackboard that we were seeing through. And she was talking about uh, uh, this, um, I think the first was she's talking about this uh, 
Shakespearean figure, wasn't it? The uh, or actually a Roman figure, but was brought in uh, uh, Coriolanus, Coriolanus, is that something? And um, uh, about the deeds of man and so on. But um, hmm. very quickly, of course. So we we're, we're, we're st the the point is that they've taken this very artistic but very brave and very um, you know uh, circle of life type of idea with having that very uh, blending from white to color uh, to the school, uh, and then she gets the message that her doctors sent her. And um, of course, schools in the UK even now probably finish about half three or whatever. But as she uh, gets on her bike heading to the destination we see an overhead shot of um, one of the, a large clock and the clock time is showing uh 516 ah. uh, which was the um the time that the show first aired when it uh, originally aired see i, I didn't catch that either <laughs> i gotta go back and, and watch and find all these little easter eggs or nuggets of little nods there that's great yeah. i mean there were some i've read about since but quite a lot of the ones well, I, I think we sp I spotted about 10 or 12. Apparently, it's supposed to be about 25, and there's even a site somewhere where you can find the 25 Easter eggs. Yeah, I, I saw the link to that, live. but I, I didn't go yeah. to it because I, I, I figured, let me see if I can find them myself before. Quite you know. right, too. Yeah. And even you, you mentioned Clara on the motorcycle, and then she originally she, she rides the motorcycle, which was... Um, Reminded me a little bit of what was the um, the was it the wire the the, the that back um, well there's the 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 idiot's lantern the, the idiot's lantern thank you yes they rode on a, with, sc a scooter with the tent I'm hungry there. yes and then we had the motorbike going up the shard as well in the in the in the in the more recent one but then the, he then she rides the motorcycle into the TARDIS and that was I don't know if it was an intentional nod to the 1996 movie but we we saw the motorcycle we saw a motorcycle ride in and out of the TARDIS in that movie That's, and it did it did yeah but it was extremely well done yes. and then we had a, a little nod to um uh the science in the library where of course the first time we see uh after riversong advises him the 10th doctor tries snapping his fingers to open the tardis door and this time he's like, mm -hmm. oi draft and uh we get clara uh the yeah, I, I i i love that um well, so well, the, just, just to go back to the opening credits before we go any further, um, it, it was as you said, it's great to see the, the original opening credits, you know, in a widescreen format, and it was just great seeing yeah. that again. But it it wasn't your traditional uh, Doctor Who opening credits. There was no names, no nothing. It just went into the policeman walking and all that, and then you know again we're assuming you we uh, you've seen this already so um anyway it's so the spoilers yeah, yeah. so eventually you'll see the helicopter pick up the tardis and flying it you know um to um was it Caval um Tafalga square um, uh, yeah it was uh, it was just near the uh, the science museum i think wasn't it in front of the science museum but that's where we see the opening the titles. Steps. That's where you'll see um, yeah. Matt Smith's name yes, and David Tennant. I mean, Tennant. there's some lovely views. I mean, we, we, we're flying over the Thames. We see uh, not London Bridge, but Tower Bridge. We see the Mayor's Building. Uh, we see uh, Admiralty Arch. We see uh, all the landscapes. We see the Shard off to the left. We see the London Eye. Uh, really good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, let's face it, you know, they were showing off uh, London rather well. And, and rightly and, so. Um, and, but, of course, Matt Smith's first episode was... Um, that's right. First, 
he, he's just, yeah. Uh, though, though it was at night, but yeah. Uh, but I, I thought that was, uh, you know, seeing the credits like that, it was obviously very thematic. I mean, um, filmatic rather. You know, because you, you'll usually see that in motion pictures. You know, it wasn't very... It, it wasn't your traditional television opening credits. It was, um, at least for Doctor Who, it wasn't. So it, it it seemed like maybe it was intentionally done for the theater since it was being released in theaters. Um, and it was a nice touch. You know, it was good seeing, um, you know, the, the names presented that way. Then when we'll get to the end of the review, whatever, but it, we'll see at the end of the episode, the, end, the closing credits are more traditional Doctor Who-like with the faces and um, and, and so forth. But... Um, yeah, well, I don't think we can go through the whole episode blow by blow because people have said, well, yeah, hang on a minute, yeah. we've seen it. Don't need <laughs> yeah, it blow by blow. No, we're, uh, we're, just, we're just pointing out some highlights. On the, the, well, the thing is, as well, this was setting the scene that this was a big budget, uh, uh, you know, this was a, mm -hmm. a celebration of Doctor yes. Who. You were sort of strapping yourself down on the couch thinking, God, this is good. I mean, you, you know, we've got Tower of London, we've got, uh, we, we see a... Uh, a fourth Doctor scarf on one of these science advisors. Um, yes, Osgood. Um, and and Osgood. when when you saw that, well, first of all, there was a there was a, a photo or there was a short clip of the museum that was released weeks ahead before this, and we saw her there standing in the background with the scarf, and everyone was saying, "The scarf? Who's that girl?" I'm like, oh, "She's probably just, she's not going to have any part in the film. She's probably just going to be like a." a um, you know, a stand-in, not a stand-in, um, you know, an extra, you know, that they just put the scarf in there as a nod to the, to the fourth doctor. Just a red herring. And I never yeah. thought that she was going to have the part that she has. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of weird that she's constantly wearing the scarf, not just outside. But but when, when, she, when the doctor lands and she's there, I would have been very disappointed if the doctor didn't make a point in saying nice, you know, he said nice scarf, and that's exactly what I wanted him to say. And, and I was not, thankfully, I was not disappointed. <laughs> just right. short and sweet nice scarf yeah. and walked away right and the other thing about this is i mean uh, we're again we're not going to go verbatim but just the, the very fact that you know she get uh that when they do land they're given these orders and not from our present queen elizabeth but uh the first queen and of course that was one of the things that some of the fans were saying that um you know stephen moffat uh, doesn't tie up all his loose ends and one of the loose ends that had been left was that encounter with queen elizabeth uh, trying to chase the uh, the tenth doctor uh, about some incident that had happened uh, people were saying well when's that episode going to be mm -hmm. i mean we got list 10 but we didn't get the story about that well yeah so this was written by stephen moffat and um so I mean, it was an opportunity from to tie up some of those loose ends there that were dangling Ooh. about. It's. Uh, I should also make a note that it's uh, directed by Nick Haran, and I, I thought the direction of this was was really spot on too. I um, I think the acting uh, by the whole cast were, were was was top notch, and um, so technically I, I had no, um, you know, I, I think this. I think everyone probably knew. This was, you know, obviously they knew this was for the 50th anniversary, but I think everyone was maybe stepping up to the plate and giving, you know, maybe their the, the best, you know, not, not to say that they they slouch otherwise, but I'm just saying, um, you know, they, they knew how important it was. And um, I think it shows. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, um, I mean, I don't. Well, I, I did have a few criticisms 
criticisms of it. Uh, they've sort of uh, waned a little bit, but uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, it ran for, what, uh, 76 minutes nearly, but didn't seem like it. Got an appreciation index of 88, which is, is a fabulous rating. Anything over 80 is is great. And, um, uh, and of course, the, the viewing figures uh, have, have, have been very high indeed. And, I mean, and obviously, of course, um, it's got into the Guinness Book of Records, I believe, for mm -hmm. the you know the um, simultaneous broadcast yes. uh, in so many countries. Uh, by the way, I, I hadn't realised this just recently uh, that it was apparently the 799th episode of Doctor Who. So the Christmas special coming up will be the 800th uh, episode, uh, a milestone in of its own right. Well, don't get don't get too married to numbers because you know. With Stephen Moffat, those numbers can change, you know, just like Doctors 10 and 11 and 12 might be 11, 12 and 13. <laughs> oh, I've got theories about that. But uh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, how do you want to proceed from now? Do you want to play perhaps another clip and then we'll... Well, that's we'll a good idea. We'll play... Move uh, on to John Hurt turning up. I have absolutely no idea. How old are you now? Oh, I don't know. I lose track. Twelve hundred and something, I think, unless I'm lying. I can't remember if I'm lying about my age. That's how old I am. Four hundred years older than me, and in all that time, you never even wondered how many there were. You never once counted. Tell me, what would be the point? Two point four seven billion. You did count. You forgot. Four hundred years, is that all it takes? I moved on. Where? Where can you be now that you can forget something like that? Spoilers. No. No, no, no. For once, I would like to know where I'm going. No, you really wouldn't. I don't know who you are. Either of you. I haven't got the faintest idea. They knew. They're what you become if you destroy Gallifrey. The man who regrets. And the man who forgets. The moment is coming. The moment is me. You have to decide. No. No. Just no. <laughs> Is something funny? Did I miss a funny thing? Sorry. It just occurred to me this is what I'm like when I'm alone. <laughs> it's the same screwdriver. Same software. Different case. 400 years. Sorry? But at a software level, they're all the same device, aren't they? Same software, different case. Yeah. So? So, it would take centuries for the screwdriver to calculate how to disintegrate the door. Scanning the door, implanting the calculation as a permanent subroutine in the software architecture. And if you really are me, with your sand shoes and your dicky bow, and that screwdriver is still mine. That calculation is still going on. Yeah, still going. Calculation complete. Same software, different face. Hey, 400 years in four seconds. We may have had our differences, which is frankly odd in the circumstances. But I tell you what, boys, we are incredibly clever. <laughs> That was a nice little interplay there with the doctors working together. 
Um, yeah, and the nice little ending where the door's not even locked. Yeah. <laughs> they go through all that trouble, and that poor sonic screwdriver is running that subroutine for 400 years, and it all was for naught. <laughs> yeah, but it was lovely. Uh, it was lovely to see, like, David Tennant, uh, he holds the sonic device up to his ear and almost listens to its output rather than reads it. Uh, um, you know, the 11th Doctor gives it a shake, it opens up and he seems to be reading off. Um, it was nice that they, they're both a little bit like, you know, conductors using their batons in different ways. It was mm -hmm. it was very nice, a lovely scene. That I did, in fact, like these very uh, intimate scenes. There was a few of them and obviously we've moved on. We, we had the whole thing with the Fez being thrown through the funnel and all sorts of things prior to this. And we had the revelation, of course, that um, uh, the 10th the Doctor who seemed to be acting rather stupidly to my mind and he seemed to be the the brunt of a few jokes here and there was presumably trying to find out whether this really was queen elizabeth the first are indeed an alien and of course uh, the joke in that was he, he missed that because yeah. it was the horse uh not her um but we we've had all those little uh scenes but uh and um i must admit that belly piper came across uh, before, before before we get on to you know the warrior doctor billy piper i think uh, that was a good way of getting because she was she wasn't rose tyler although she mentions the name mm -hmm. um and she mentions the bad wolf so we assume that she's rose uh she's taken the visage of rose yes as she uh had, had looked into the tardis core isn't it it was that which was a much nicer way to me because it it, it I, I don't know about you. I wouldn't have particularly wanted the rose from. Well, exactly. Hey, yeah, Dave, you took the words out of my mouth. I, I was going to say it was a, a really interesting and good way of bringing back Billy Piper. I mean, we saw her in the, you know, in the trailers for it, and you know, people were speculating. Well, maybe she's a Zygon or whatever, you know. And um, but I, I thought the way they did it worked very well, and it was a good way to bring her back. And not, and even though she's, if you read the end credits, this is uh, Billy Piper Rose. She really wasn't playing Rose. She was, she was, she was in the form of Rose, but more specifically the Bad Wolf Rose, as you say. So, but it, she's really playing the interface for the moment. That in the moment is that ultimate um, weapon, uh, you know, that that the Doctor takes from Gallifrey. So, um, and she's, you know, and and that this weapon had developed a conscious, and she's playing that conscious. She's playing that interface to the device. And I thought that was a ingenious way of, of bringing her back. And, you know, it's also interesting that only the John Hurt Doctor can see and, and interact with her. In, um, and it was when, she, when she, he does mention Bear Wolf, it sort of raises the ears of the 10th Doctor. Who, what? <laughs> did you say Bear Wolf? <laughs> so it was, yeah. it was a nice look. It did, but it didn't go in, you know, I, I think they handled it very well. It was just enough. Yeah, it didn't distract us from the story, thinking, why is Rose there? They've shoehorned her in, because it did fit. It, it, it was a nice, again, uh, all these little Easter eggs we're talking about, it was a nice little uh, cue back to the, the, the last episode where, you know, we're at, at River Song's grave, the, the 11th Doctor uh, pretending not to hear River Song, because mm -hmm. you remember when, he's, when the, the great intelligence is trying to get him to open the door and he won't, uh, he has to say his name to open it. And he says, I didn't say my name. And of course, it was Riversong that said his name. And later he did say it. But again, so it, it was a reference to that. 
Um, so I think that was very well. Like the, uh, it was rather strange what was inside that thing. I mean, I think Ian was saying, since Ian's not here, I'll just mention uh, that. Uh, it seems strange that they had these, um, these great rubber tyres in that thing, but he said it was just a wasteland. But my thinking on that was that, and I know I'm jumping backwards slightly, but I wanted to just mention it before we get on to the Warrior Doctor, um, that this actually had been farming land, but had now been become a wasteland through the years of the war. I mean, we don't know how long this war has gone on. Remember from the night of the Doctor, uh, I think probably you took away the same thing as I did, that when we saw the reflection of the John Hurt face, it was a much younger uh, warrior Doctor. Yeah, because so, he, he uh, says there's a line in it where John Hurt's doctor says, war, the war doctor says, you know, I've been fighting this war for a very long time. I, I don't deserve the name the doctor anymore. I'm paraphrasing, but he says something to that effect. So we know that he... And he now says, I'm going to end it as well. That's his justification for ending. He's tried all the other ways So, to so end it. we can assume that he looked younger when he first regenerated into this... I think so. Yeah. I think that's the... Uh, so, um... um the 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 down, oh, oh, by the way again just tra backtracking the 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 spectacular scenes both of looking into those three D pictures um, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and then the actual you know fighting that was going on I almost you must have done it you must have done it I almost expected a Terminator I was thought somebody's going to put a metal a metal foot onto a skull here somewhere <laughs> you know the you know the Terminator two moment yeah you know? yeah. But it didn't have. But it was extremely. The downside was, um, you know, he, he he's supposed to be so violent that he couldn't wear the name of the doctor. Yet we didn't see him actually, other than, you know, consigning yeah. them all, both races to hell, as it were. We didn't see any violence. Now whether we need to see it or whether we think this is a family show. And it was implied, and that was all that was needed. And we saw the sort of screaming children and people. Uh, and because, uh, of course, um, in the other little clip we mentioned, you know, the last day, uh, the, the fall of Arcadia and what have you. Um, in fact, the, the, one of the, uh, the soldiers does that, doesn't he? He, he goes behind a wall and, and sends, sends the message that Arcadia has fallen. Mm -hmm. And that's when John Hurt uh, appears and doesn't do anything violent except to a wall. Yeah. Luckily, it wasn't Hello, Sweetie. <laughs> Which, I mean, I, I know it's it's all done for dramatic purposes, but in reality, you, you know, what was the, just for a few Daleks to see the, the words no more, you know, it, it didn't really make much sense for him to do. But, you know, I, again, I, I'll let that go. It's just, I think it's it was more for dramatic purposes for, for, for us viewers. But right. I... I uh, for one... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Sorry. I was saying, for one minute, I thought, the, you know, the Dalek, the, the, show, the soldier shot, I thought that was going to be the Dalek that survived the time war for one minute, you know, the, ah. the, the mad Dalek. Mm -hmm. But, of course, it then exploded and didn't. So it must, it must have been one of the Daleks in the, uh, in the surrounding uh, of the planet. But, but um, anyway, having taken that, I mean, that was a massive scene of, uh, of uh, you know, uh, movie proportion, yes, really. Yes, very cinematic. Uh, uh, yes. Must have absolutely. Yeah, it must have looked fabulous. So I'm not saying it. I'm not saying those listening. No, I'm not saying it was as good as the Battle of Helm's Deep. <laughs> you know, in the two towers. I mean, that that was just the 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 optimum, the 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 peak 
of TV uh, of film viewing as you see it. But it was fabulous for well, considering the budget that they're working with, and you know, it's it's television. I, I think they did a, a spectacular job there. I mean, we really hadn't seen anything so lavish in Doctor Who before. I mean, I mean, sometimes Doctor Who's, especially older Doctor Who's, the butt of jokes when it comes to um, its effects. Even though at the time it was, you know, really the cutting edge stuff at that time, and it's and and they were working within their means. Right. So back back to the 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 dungeon, the tower, uh, the interplay between the three doctors, mm -hmm. very similar to the three doctors. I thought uh, so too. With the first doctor, yes. uh, mm -hmm. not a dandy and a clown, but what did Rose? Uh, a hero. Call them a, a hero. One was a hero. One was a, a, a forget. One that forgets. Someone, one that one. forgets. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, uh, one that regrets. One, one that regrets. Forgets, yeah. I think that's but later, later it. on, it uh, was um, I think Clara that maybe said one was a hero and one was something or another. Right. I think. But I, I thought. This, this, uh, but speaking of the sonic screwdrivers, I, I really I, I love John Hurt's doctor's reaction to the other his 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 um um you know his future doctors his future selves the way they handled because the, i'm always complaining how they rely on the sonic screwdriver too much so when they started pointing it at things and um he he, he says they're scientific instruments not water pistols you know i just i love that comment because it sort of reflects to my way of thinking that that the doctor the doctor today has become too it's become a magic wand essentially and i i it was never, you know, if you go back to John Pertwee and, you know, other doctors that use the sonic screwdriver, they didn't use it as they use it today. Now it's, it's, it's just used too much. And it's, I'd rather see the doctor work his way out of things instead of just relying on this magic device that be, has, that's become the sonic screwdriver now. Yeah. Of course, the reference to water pistol uh, fires at Pompeii, where the doctor squirts ah. water mm -hmm. on the pyrophiles. Remember? Yeah, timey-wimey. He yeah. squirts the water. <laughs> yeah, I know. I forgot about so, it until you mentioned it. And yeah, I, I, I even uh, like that. I think that's a little Easter egg. I even like John Hurt's, um, um, you know, remark about the timey-wimey. Must you speak like children? Again, I'm paraphrasing his quote there. <laughs> <laughs> and it was lovely, like naughty children, the 10th Doctor said, I don't know where he gets these ideas from. <laughs> we all know it is the 10th Doctor saying yeah, that. And of course, we had the uh, his Bing, his Bing yes. machine when he was with Queen Elizabeth <laughs> I, which was a reference to Blink, I suppose, and the, uh, uh, you know, the tape recorder device uh, which was how he knew that the policeman would arrive at the safe because it was the same angel that had transported him, mm -hmm. that had transported the Doctor and Martha. Well, he was using a, that to link back to that to detect um, shapeshifters, you know, um, you know, the chameleon uh, type of aliens, you know, and that's how he, well, he thought the Queen was a Zygon, and um, but I, I, you know, we all these years on on, on Doctor Who Podcast, and I'm sure on other podcasts and other places, but I, I, I know, you know, since we've been doing the show. One of the most common threads and feedback is when will the Zygons come back? When will the Zygons come back? And now they finally come back to tell because I know that there was um, a couple of books and um, you know, there might have been an audio. I'm not sure. But the, the Zygons are back on the series proper. And I don't know. I just it seemed like they were almost the butt of jokes and not, you know, they didn't really seem that much 
of a threat, really, you know, because, you know, they, they kept on, you know, it's those rubbery guys. I mean, they, the costumes are very well. They're very, they're very authentic to the original Zygons. Um, but I didn't understand why they returned. Why did they land? Why did they come on 16th century Earth? You know, is that when the time war took place? Because to my knowledge, they don't time travel. So, I mean, and if they do time travel, why not just go, for, you know, why put themselves in status, you know, in these paintings to, you know, wait until Earth was more ripe, you know, when um, the time was right to release themselves. I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's, it's I guess, you know, right. artistic license. Well, the issue, I, the issue I had from them, because from the, you know, the, the, the famous story where they're up in Scotland and the Loch Ness Monster, apparently, um, I, I, they were also sort of... Uh, not slimy, but they were, you know, they were water. They, mm -hmm. they needed to be near water, I thought. And of course, the, the, I mean, it wasn't the desert down in that art thing. That was the statues that they pulverized so they could take the place. But um, the picture from which they seem to have come from looked a little bit of a desert scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, but um, I don't know whether they needed to be. I mean, uh, some members, I think Darth said that uh, it, it had to be them because, of course, um, it was through them that they, they have this ability to uh, make people lose their memory. Uh, and, of course, we had that memory device. In the, I mean, when Clara uh, is taken inside the thing, um, uh, she, she is surprised to find out that she's been there before and she's been vetted, uh, hasn't she? Mm. I, uh, um, Kate. Uh, Kate, yeah. And... Um, uh, the other thing is that um, because of um, because of the way that the Zygons impersonate people, they don't kill. Apparently, the person has to be still alive. Mm -hmm. So it did, it didn't mean if if we had if we used I suppose if we used a different alien, then we would have had to lose Kate and other people because they would have been killed and being replaced. At least here, and of course, you could argue that's a little bit of a uh, a nod to the uh, you know to the nesting where. Remember, they were placed, and the uh, and the real people ended up in the wax museum, didn't they? Mm. You know, when the, uh, the 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 different people took yeah. their place, and uh, they ended up in the wax. But anyway, um, I, again, this was a side plot, really, wasn't it? Let's face it; it yeah. was a a side plot. The the main plot was resolving in some way uh, the time war, um, which would change things. But by a sort of a get-out clause, in some ways, not change things. Um, uh, we had the reference to the bi uh, big red button as well when the uh, uh, the Doctor mm. Galdafrey was talking in the interface. Why isn't there just a big red button here somewhere? And of course, the interface, uh, the Bad Wolf, uh, provided one for him later. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, we had lots of things happening. We had the the thing where the Doctor's scratching on the wall and thinking, why is he scratching on the wall? Of course, it was the coordinates for the um, Captain Jack's, um, and, and that's another that's another later. Easter egg in itself. If 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 you, yeah. I, I didn't notice it either until someone uh, pointed it out for me that it was um, it spelled. It, if you read the code, it, it says, uh, what does it say? F uh, 17, 16, it's, 11, 23. It's the transmission date. Yeah. yeah, it's the it's the time. It's it's it's, it's the um, you know twenty four hour time. Twenty four hour clock. Clock so, yeah, time yeah, yeah. of the original transmission of an unearthly child. So, 
uh, again, a, a very uh, uh, another little egg, little Easter egg there for you. Yeah, yeah. So that, and, and, that was good. Uh, but I did like the fact that Clara, you know, used her initiative in that point when she was cornered, saw the saw the image and uh, you know punched in the numbers. And that was, of course, how she arrived. And then, as we said, the door was unlocked. She walks in. She's very clever. I mean, she keeps on saying, you know, you know, commenting, you know, clever boy to the TARDIS. I don't know, to, to the doctor, rather. <laughs> but she's very clever in herself. I mean, she's a very interesting companion. And I'm sure Ian if, would be agreeing with me intensely if he was here. No, he wouldn't. He would say she's just highly watchable, which is what <laughs> I would say, too. Well, yeah, some people like others for more than but, but she outside beauty. But she has that yeah. going for her, too. Yeah, uh, I mean, not not everybody's. I mean, we've been talking about this in in good praise. I mean, uh, I think ninety percent of the people really liked it, but there there are some people that um, do feel as though it's debunked a lot of what's happened in the past, and they're not sure, you know, how much of this will stay. Because um, what happens is that we have the scene later when they escape, the three doctors, and they are in the underground thing. Uh, you know, when there's this uh, standoff with the the atomic bomb going to go off. Um, mm -hmm. They release this memory gas, um, and of course, because the timelines are twisted, we we probably all realise that um, things are going to. Uh, only the eleventh Doctor is going to remember. Uh, yeah, most of the it was anyway. a review, and forgive me because I don't remember the newspaper. It was, um, but I, I read it online on, um, and again, I, I think it was sort of a British um, um, newspaper journal or whatever. And the, Gu the Guardian was it? Maybe I don't. I, I, I guess I don't remember. But the reviewer was really um, taken to task how um, how Stephen Moffat rewrote everything and that everything that happened before this now didn't happen. And I, that's not the case at all. I mean, it, it's not a JJ Abrams thing with what he did with Star Trek. This is everything. I mean, <laughs> well, my, my, well, well, uh, I mean, no, because, I because at the uh, end, way, they right. don't remember. I mean, when, when, uh, when the John Hurt character, uh, leaves, he says, yeah, I won't remember this. And uh, we don't know at that time he's going to regenerate as soon as he, he goes into the, uh, into the, into the TARDIS, but, right. but he won't remember that he saved Gallifrey, you know, and that he, he's going to, to his idea, he's going to, he's still going to think that he destroyed it. And so will the 10th doctor, because he's not going to remember it. He says I'm that too. A point. The, ninth, the ninth doctor, the uh, Christopher Eccleston doctor, is still going to be that wounded soul yes. so with all the guilt. Because it's going to, everything's going to look like, well, the, the, the Daleks destroyed Gallifrey. They both destroyed each other. And, you know, yeah. they're, they're wiped out of existence. It's, it's, I don't, everything that has happened before this still has happened. And it doesn't, I don't think it changes anything. It, it changes things well, going forward. It might in another way. It might in another way, but that's just me yeah. uh, having a little pet theory. But uh, yeah, I don't think it's undermined. But the, there are people. Uh, uh, Mike uh, is one of them that feel as though you know it's a bit of a betrayal. Um, uh, one of the things that he was concerned about was the fact that you know we had in Genesis of the Dalek the fourth Doctor saying, "Have I the right?" Mm -hmm. And yet. Uh, these doctors later on hatch this plan. You know, the, oh, by the way, that was another reference to the fires of Pompeii. They all three have their hands on the button, like. Ah, uh, uh, yes, uh, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, but then they come up with what is supposed to be a more humane solution. Yeah, we won't kill everybody. We'll just disappear and let them kill themselves. 
but it was still ge genocide of the Daleks. Yeah, of the in, Daleks. In, in yeah. One set. Yeah. So and and, where, and, and uh, rightly so that Genesis of the Daleks. You know, you see the Fourth Doctor contemplate that, and then you know he, he says, you know, do I have the right to do this? And he thinks of all the good that will come out of the, you know, the, having the adversaries as the Daleks, and you know, so and he, right. he decides against it. Yeah, but so maybe you could it, argue that the warrior, the warrior doctor here, would be quite happy with that solution, because it's the fact that the other, the tenth and the eleventh doctor go along with mm -hmm. him. And in actual fact, it's the eleventh doctor that comes up with the solution because he thinks it. And the, by the way, there was the other reference there in a couple of scenes. They the, the, they're using that sort of telepathic link. It's not really mentioned, but the way that they both. Oh yeah, I got it now. It. Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. I didn't think of it as a tele... I mean, it could very well be, but I, I, when I was watching it, I didn't think of that. I just thought that their brains were processing at different speeds and they were coming to the same conclusion. But maybe you're right. Maybe it is going back to, you know, to the three doctors where they have that telepathic link. Yeah, and you, you have the screen doing, you know, the wobbly effect yes. between the two of them. <laughs> Fla and the, flashing between them. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I... I so, so, so that... that, that I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that again during because I'm gonna I'm gonna continue this anniversary celebration. I uh, saw that that's on my list to rewatch because it's been a while. But yeah, definitely. Um, it's um, and I forgot where I was gonna go. Um, speaking of which, there's a line there that um, David Tennant says. You know, you you know when he sees the TARDIS, Matt Smith's TARDIS redecorated. I don't like it, which is a, a throwback to the Second Doctor's. Um, um, wasn't it the second doctor that said that originally um, when he saw the new TARDIS interior and I think it was the five doctors uh, there's a few that said it you know uh, yeah. even Wilford said it I thought it'd be tidy perhaps we ought to play a clip and that, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go from ourselves again and move on another one are you sure the message is from him oh yes why would he do that What's the mad fool talking about now? Hello, hello, Gallifrey High Command. This is the Doctor speaking. Hello, also the Doctor. Can you hear me? Also the Doctor. Standing ready. Dear God, three of them. All my worst nightmares at once. General, we have a plan. We should point out at this moment it is a fairly terrible plan. It almost certainly won't work. I was happy with fairly terrible. Sorry, just thinking out loud. We're flying our three TARDISes into your lower atmosphere. We're positioned at equidistant intervals around the globe. Equidistant, so grown up. Just about ready to do it. Ready to do what? We're going to freeze Gallifrey. I'm sorry, what? Using our TARDISes, we're going to freeze Gallifrey in a single moment in time. You know, like those stasis cubes? Single moment in time held in a parallel pocket universe. Except we're going to do it to a whole planet. And all the people on it. What? Even if that were possible, which it isn't, why would you do such a thing? Because the alternative is burning. And I've seen that. And I never want to see it again. We'd be lost in another universe. Frozen in a single moment. We'd have nothing. You would have hope. And right now, that is exactly what you don't have. It's delusional. The calculations alone would take hundreds of years. Oh, hundreds and hundreds, but don't worry. I started a very long time ago. 
all the doctors uh, again. And th th that uh, seems to, they, they cut from then, they focus a little bit on the uh, the, the first doctor, so the implication is being that, uh, and is, they, they've got some dialogue from the first doctor there as yes, well. Yes, yeah. But then we get Which this is marvellous. New, I mean, new dialogue, because gone. he never, the first doctor never mentions dialogue, I mean, never mentions Dick Gallifrey, so that's, um, you know, there's a voiceover oh, artist indeed. in the end credits. I don't remember his name offhand, but, uh, you know, obviously I'm assuming he did the Hartnell's impersonation there. It, I mean, it's very interesting, but I'm I still don't I still can't figure out how they I mean, unless they did telepathy over time or whatever, how, because how did they tell Hartnell and, you know, the second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh to do these calculations? Because they, they're not in on all this. So, you know, how do they know to start these calculations at that time? And then when we see Gallifrey, we don't see three tortoises. Because originally it was just the three doctors saying we're going to take our three tortoises into the lower atmosphere or whatever. But it looks like there's more than three. So I'm assuming it's there's 12 tortoises or whatever. 13. 13. 13 and, and by the way, we learn what the plural of TARDIS is. <laughs> is it tortoises or is it tardi? Well, it's, well, no, they said tortoises. Tortoises. Okay. Just making sure. Because I always say tortoises. I don't say tardi. I don't say anything yeah. else. Um, and, of course, then we're missing the elephant in the room because uh, we have about a one-second close-up mm -hmm. of a new face. Yeah, Peter Capaldi. Uh, it's, um, you know, oh, and they did the, obviously they did the close-up because he, he, they, probably at the time of shooting this, his costume hasn't been worked out yet, so they don't know what he's going to be wearing. The safest bet is just to show his eyes because you don't see any, you know, it doesn't matter what he's wearing because we don't know what he's wearing yet. Uh, and I think even more the reason for the close-up is that he may still have had his Cardinal Richelieu beard on because he was uh, filming uh, uh, the remake of The Three Musketeers okay, I didn't know sometime that. around then. That, that could be it too. I didn't realise that. And speaking of, plays Cardinal Richelieu. Of, of, sh of making the best of the situation while you're shooting, we were talking about before about redecorating the TARDIS interior. We see the roundels again, the round oh, things. Oh yes, yes, and yes. It changes. It's confused, isn't it, with the three doctors there? It's trying to accommodate all of them, which again is a telepathic link. Yes, which I had mentioned in with with um, Trenzalore when the Doctor enters the TARDIS. Maybe it was the TARDIS making the Eleventh Doctor feel at home by incorporating his TARDIS into the look because we don't know what doctor died you know what what regeneration cycle he was in when he dies so um right. it goes back to that but what i think uh, those roundels um those round things which the doctors call them yeah. he, he doesn't call them roundels he just says those round things uh but I, I think that was a happy coincidence that they had it on hand because Back in February, they were they were using that part, of, you know, of the set of Lime Grove of Lime Grove Studios for an, an an adventure in space and time. I'm I don't know this for sure, but I, it's a pretty safe bet that that's they reuse that that you know what they built that for that set for that docudrama. They used it again for the, in this piece. That's what I'm thinking. And of course, we see the cor uh, the coral. Uh, yes. Uh, TARDIS as well. Because uh, I, 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 I said to you, well, have they done that? He said, well, they've used the one from is it the Cardiff Experience or somewhere, mm -hmm. presumably for that, where it's on display. Yeah, no, absolutely. They, they, um, I'm, I'm sure it's either that or, or they, they, they had other something else on hand. But Right. 
Uh, but I mean, th that scene was absolutely fabulous. I mean, uh, uh, to, to to get them, um, I think the, the the most difficult one again. It wasn't me that realised this, uh, but um, it was Darth again that um, uh, the difficulty would have been with the seventh Doctor because uh, there's not much footage of him actually being inside his TARDIS. Uh, I think the set might have been dissembled. Uh, they did they didn't actually see the seventh Doctor in his TARDIS much, and in actual fact, you saw the seventh Doctor in I think as the young Doctor, and also maybe even a clip from the, the movie where he's looking older. I, again, I think there's a, there's a lot to look, that we like about this story. There's a few paradoxes, I think, that were maybe formed here, um, like the painting, the, the 3D painting that um, was the credentials of the Queen. Uh, it's, uh, it's Time Lord art, but... There's no Time Lords left after Gallifrey Falls, and this was a painting of Gallifrey Falls, you know. <laughs> so who painted the painting? Now, later, Clara, at the end of the story, Clara says, uh, do you need a moment with your painting? So are, is she just saying that, you know, meaning, you know, are we, are we supposed to take her it? literally? <laughs> is it, did the doctor, because the only Time Lord left, and obviously the doctor had this in his possession to give to, to the queen. So are we to assume that the doctor painted it? I don't know. It's because otherwise, who painted it? If Gallifrey falls and is no more, then who painted it? And we also see um, who painted. I mean, we we see the picture of the Queen Elizabeth with the tenth Doctor, you know, standing side by side, you know, uh, mm -hmm. as a couple. So I mean, we don't know when that was done as well. So um, I'm quite happy to. I, I wouldn't see that so much as a. a I mean, there was so much in this that was was right and was correct oh, and was absolutely, yeah. mind-blowingly good. Uh, uh, you can't cross every team, but they did a hell of a job as far as that goes. Yeah, uh, I'm just pointing out. Have, um, I was just pointing it out. Have, I, I wasn't, you say, yeah, it wasn't yeah. meant as a criticism. It was just just a, a, a just stating a so, point. So we're we're all, yeah. Later on, of course, we're now uh, we're we're at the gallery and. Um, where John Hurt, as you mentioned just a moment or two, you know, saying he, he won't remember all this, and uh, and we have the different TARDIS going off, and and and, and on the wall is this sort of very roundel-looking uh, abstract yes. design, or yeah. wall decoration. Which... Um, I don't know whether you want to then talk now, perhaps finally before we do each do a little bit of a summation is the um another clip the other surprise that came right towards the end i by the way i count because someone uh, who and knows I, forgive me for misremembering someone i i think was on facebook maybe kevin i'm not sure had mentioned about those uh, those things on the museum walls that almost look like roundels those uh, things on the walls uh, and I and someone said yeah, wouldn't, it be, it, wouldn't it be interesting if there's 50 of them so there's one scene with Matt Smith and he's against the wall there but I, I counted them I, yeah I, I stopped and counted them I counted 39 though but <laughs> it would have been nice if it was 50 though. Well, you see, you're allowed to keep your geek back, back for doing that <laughs> all right here it, we go if you can't count you tried that's the point I tried. Who knows? Yeah, even having the thought, oh, that's brilliant, actually. 50 would have been great. It's like counting how many bumps are on a Dalek. If some people do that, would you believe? <laughs> I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Yeah, it was a trivia question recently, but there you go. I never so uh, we had... I know you don't. And in years to come, you might find yourself revisiting a few, but just the old favourites, eh? 
You were curious about this painting, I think. I acquired it in remarkable circumstances. What do you make of the title? Which title this too? No more. Or Gallifrey Falls. Oh, you see, that's where everybody's wrong. It's all one title. Gallifrey Falls No More. Now, what would you think that means, eh? But Gallifrey didn't fall. It worked. It's still out there. I'm only a humble curator. I'm sure I wouldn't doubt. Then where is it? Where is it indeed? Yes. Lost. Shh. Perhaps things do get lost, you know. Now you must excuse me. Oh, you have a lot to do. Do I? Mm. Is that what I'm supposed to do now? Go looking for Gallifrey? Well, it's entirely up to you. Your choice. Eh? I can only tell you what I would do. If I were you... Oh, if I were you... <laughs> oh... Perhaps I was you, of course. <laughs> oh, perhaps you are me. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you very much. <laughs> or perhaps it doesn't matter either way. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> what a treat. Wow. That was lovely. Yeah, it was absolutely And that line that Tom, the top boy delivers... Only Tom can. I mean, that that is as well. Stephen Moffat saying, you know, uh, who knows? Uh, uh, I might be, you might be me. It does it matter? It doesn't matter. They've got Tom Baker back on TV, yeah, back yeah. in the in the thing. And I, I wonder when he said, when we, you know, visit revisit the old doctors. I'm wondering when he might think more of audio. He might be thinking of the Eleventh Doctor meeting. You know the 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 sixth and the seventh and the eighth and ninth doctors, uh, well, the fourth doctor maybe, in 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 big finish audio or something like that. I don't necessarily think they're talking about a CGI Tom Baker having an adventure with the Doctor in the future. Yeah, no, I but um, I don't know what what to make out of that as far as seeing you know only your favorites, you know, seeing old faces, but only your favorites or something like that. So, it, I mean, it adds a little mystery to Doctor Who again. And and after all, that's the program is Doctor Who, you know, with an applied question mark at the end. So, um, I'm okay with not knowing the the extent of you know who Tom Baker was playing in that scene. You know, I I, I like to keep a little mystery involved with the character and and what might what might be coming so i thought it was really interesting yeah. when um and, and i have to also say playing this clip right now just listening to it without seeing it it really i mean it i was visualizing tom baker as the doctor you know the younger um 40 ish you know in human years um 40 ish doctor <laughs> you know uh, yeah I, I i could even see that bite on his lip yeah i mean uh, and just the way he goes, shh, shh, you know, it was so much like the fourth doctor, you know, he, you know, you know, <laughs> the way he would interrupt, was... interrupt you before you even started, started speaking, you know. <laughs> so I, I thought it was a nice touch. And though when they, um, when Clara says there's an older gentleman here looking for you, my first thought went to uh, David Bradley. I'm like, are they going to have, you know, because someone, I, and forgive me for not remembering who, but someone suggested, wouldn't it be, um, I think it might have been Matthew. I, I'm trying to give credit to where it's due. Um, suggested, wouldn't it be interesting if they used, um, oh, we had a call in now, a previous episode. Uh, so someone who didn't leave their name suggested it, um, that wouldn't it be kind of cool if, if David Bradley 
reprise his role not as William Hartnell but as the first doctor in the actual show and I said it would be interesting but I doubt they would do it so when they said an older gentleman was waiting for you I'm like no then it's not going to be David Bradley is it <laughs> but uh yeah Tom well, Baker they might, have, they, might have, they might have had him hanging around between takes and done it yeah <laughs> um, but one of the things I thought about uh I was thinking do you remember from Torchwood where they said uh, when Torchwood in uh, London had, fall, uh, had fallen or something and said, well, there's a Torchwood for it up in Scotland somewhere with uh, some old chap man in the station. You know, you're thinking mm. it might be somebody <laughs> like one of the old yeah. doctors. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it was just it was just a pure gem of a moment. I think even the most critical of people will say, you know, um, that is um, not so much part of the story. It, it was... Um, uh, an adjunct to the story and it was just there simply uh, and it was posed in that way so you could say well that was i mean he could have almost been dreaming that sequence but it was so yes. so yeah. well done mm -hmm. uh so um because it goes right into a scene with with the eleventh doctor talking about his dreams so you know it could have been something that he dreamt up who knows mm. uh, <laughs> who knows indeed yeah, absolutely uh, great. Um, so um, I don't know whether you want to. I mean, we, we've talked. Yeah, that Ian keeps interrupting me, so I never get a chance to talk. We've <laughs> talked for, <laughs> you know, quite some time. Uh, I'm ready to just give my overall thoughts. Whether you want to say anything more about how the episode ends. What about the closing credits? Did you like well, those? I, as I said, at the top of the uh, our review here, the, the opening credits didn't have the face. You didn't have uh, Matt Smith's face in it. It was very, it was done in a deliberate, like filmatic way. And which um, I, I thought was lovely. Um, but it was nice to see in the closing credits, seeing all the doctor's faces appear. And you know what? In the credits, the, the, the first screen of, 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 you know, credit line, line items, whatever you call them, you know, whatever, the cast members, they had all the doctors listed, you know, everyone from Matt Smith down to William Hartnell listed there, even though, you know, not, you know, they, not everyone, you know, they were just little clips or whatever, but it was interesting seeing that uh, and seeing all the faces. And at the very end, uh, before the credits, you see all the doctors lined up like in a cloud and all that which i which which i'm thinking isn't reality i think this is more maybe a dream or you know a figurative thing not a literal thing that 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 the love doctor walked out and saw himself there you know i don't think you should take that literally that scene but it was interesting to the story now yeah i mean it was interesting seeing i mean they, they almost reminded me of action figures lined up that way <laughs> but um i can't help yeah. help but think, well, think some that. of them did look a bit what Waxworky. Yes, yes. Um, and, but they had, William Hartnell wasn't in that line. He was behind um, the 11th Doctor. I don't know what the significance of that. Maybe just because well, he was he the was original. Well, I the original. Yeah. The original, yeah. Uh, but um, I think somebody commented that um, I wonder if the 4th Doctor was the same model that they used when they took the, the still yeah, photos the, the, for the 5 Doctors. Yeah, well, that, he, he was in that burgundy outfit for that, so I, I have to uh, see. Yeah, I, I think he right. wasn't in the burgundy one, but he did look a little wax worky. Uh, I, I I'm, mean, I'm, I'm assuming I wasn't so brilliant for that, but it yeah. was it was nice to see. Yeah, and we we see the ninth Doctor. We there was also a scene, you know, when we see all the Doctors on, you know, um, on when it takes place in the Gallifrey, we see all the little, the scanner windows, those round circle wind, um, monitors, and you see yeah. all the Doctors appearing. You do see. Christopher Eccleston um, in that, even though... Oh, indeed. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, 
it's it's good and also when the John Hurts regenerates you I thought they were going to maybe pull uh, well. I thought they were going to maybe pull something from um, a, some footage that they shot during a regeneration scene when you know um, when when we see um, um, Christopher Eccleston regenerating into um, David Tennant I thought maybe well, that the eyes do change. Yes. But again, uh, I want to say something about that in a minute. But I mean, uh, that that lineup of the doctors, as I say, it did look a bit artificial. But there's at least probably one million Facebooks where that's their head. Oh yes. Their headline banner. Yes. There. Yeah. <laughs> that, that cover page, whatever they cover image, whatever you call it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, cover banner. Yeah. You know, like I said, I, I enjoy. I, in fact, like many new episodes of Doctor Who, I, I enjoyed this more on the second viewing and, and more so on the third viewing uh, than I did originally. Um, I, I think maybe like you, Dave, when you're watching it the first time, you, you, you might be a little bit more critical and um, or your expectations yeah. might be different. And so I, I, I was able to appreciate it more on the second and, and third time around than I did on the first. But I, overall, I, I really liked it. Now, what I am going to say is that I love John Hurt. I think it's um, he adds gravitas to the role, and I have no problems with him. I love him in in, in all his roles, not just here. But I, I think it, it, it's a real coup having him here. But that said, I didn't see why we needed John Hurt. Why not? I mean, I in hindsight, uh, if you watch this, this could have just easily been Paul McGann playing the Eighth Doctor. See, I had said to you in a previous episode of Doctor Who Project that maybe the reason for the John Hurt character was because he does things as the war doctor that's unbecoming of what we think of Paul McGann as the eighth doctor. So they, you know, so we don't think of Paul McGann turning evil or whatever, turning cold and harsh and whatever. So we don't, but when we see John Hurt here, he doesn't come across as that. We don't see, he doesn't, he he, he seems like a lovable uh, (laughs) I don't want to say old, but a lovable father figure, or he doesn't seem like a warrior. He doesn't come across as a warrior. He, you know, so you know, I don't. An embattled man, but not yes. necessarily in battle. He's not harsh. He's not. This could have just easily been Paul McGann playing the Eighth Doctor, just as easily, and it would have been just as enjoyable. And again, that's not to say that I don't like whatever number we want to call him the, the war doctor uh, you know the, this opens up a whole can of worms with numbers now yeah. so um I, that's my only little nugget of criticism if we will maybe maybe the the reason is um maybe there's a logistic reason maybe paul mcgann wasn't available um to do this so they had to come up with someone else maybe they wanted to have someone of an older generation playing the doctor but john pertwee's no longer around and um and and it probably wouldn't have worked with tom baker playing an older fourth doctor some of those lines yeah some of those lines where he's taking the sort of the the highbrow with these you know, younger doctors yeah. as he sees them. Well, younger, yeah. older doctors. Um, you could hardly, you, yeah, yeah. You, you couldn't really see the eight doctors saying, you know, you know, using like water pistols because he, you know, he'd be the first to jump in the fountain with them, wouldn't he? Yeah. You know what I mean? And and also the kissing remark. Does this happen a lot? You know, it, and you know, he, he, yeah. at the wedding scene with um, the tenth and 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 the queen there. So I can yeah, understand. So I don't it. think it was written. Yeah, I don't think it was written for McGann, and then they suddenly got the coup of finding out they could get John Hurt. The, the dialogue seems to be 
suit intended for an older statesman type of actor. Yeah. Yeah. But I, he didn't, I mean, as much as I love him, he didn't come off as a warrior, but like you said, an, an embattled old, I mean, he says he's been fighting this war for a long time. So as you say, Dave, and, and, and perhaps rightly so, we don't really see a clear image of him in the night of the doctor when he regenerates. So it, maybe it is a younger John Hurt um, that, that, that we see when he regenerates and he ages and, and maybe um, he's less coarse at the end here, but he's fed up and he wants this war to be over. I think that is is true, but it, it does break the rule that I think you have the same as me, that you shouldn't have had to have watched those extras yes. for it to make yeah. sense as an episode. It makes sense if you've watched that to realise that, you know, I mean, there is a throwaway line that he's been trying for so long and he's now he's come to the end of his tether. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, the, the battle scene, uh, but it, they'd already tied themselves into this, uh, thing that that battle was the last day of the war. It, it ended. Up, they didn't know it was the last day, but it was the last day in as much as the do, the 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 warrior doctor had snapped and stolen this um, unusable. And this is a bit of a political statement in there, you know, at the moment with all that's happening in the world. And, I, and I'm just going to leave that on the table. I don't want us to go in that direction. But um, you know, about um, you know certain countries being able to use weapons that have been outlawed, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. uh, but even the, the Gallifrey said, well, we've used them all, all except one uh, this moment. And of course, as we know, one of the things that we were led to be understand from the end of time was that, um, you know, uh, it wasn't so much that time was happening in a different time. Uh, it was uh, the Gallifrey being taken out of time. Um Mm-hmm. And I still think it might have been better if the the um, the Dalek uh, spaceships around the planet had also been sucked in yeah. at the same mm-hmm. thing, with maybe just but, the odd Dalek escaping. Because of course we know. No, that but the trouble with that Daleks though. Escaped. But the trouble with that theory though, then the Daleks would then continue destroying Gallifrey in this pocket of time. We have to assume. Oh, unless they're oh. well, unless they're frozen. Unless in time. they're all in stasis. Yeah. Unless they're stasis. Yeah. 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 Well, it's called the moment. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say before I just have a little recap? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, as I say, I'm entirely in tune with you on on the fact that um, uh, I had more niggles with it the first time. The main thing was that you know they seem to have taken the sort of Badana Dakri tenth Doctor from Girl in the Fireplace. Um, and it was though, you see, the point is that we're seeing this and as the 11th Doctor is the Doctor, the current mm-hmm. Doctor, and therefore he ultimately has to save the day because it's his show, uh, the same as he did with the five Doctors, mm-hmm. uh, which relegates the 10th the Doctor to, you know, a buddy role, as it were. Yes. But in actual fact, mm-hmm. from his perspective, he is still living his generation. Yes. Um uh, and to to see me, you know, I mean the 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 scene where he sort of confronts a rabbit in the forest. By the way, my cousin uh, unfortunately died, but I had a rabbit like that. It's a giant. Can't remember. It's, I think they're from China or somewhere. It's not a native British rabbit. That's mm-hmm. an enormous rabbit. That could have pulled. It could have pulled Sylvester McCoy's sled in uh, in in Tolkien. That could. Uh, <laughs> it was a really big rabbit. Yeah, but, it was big. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I think they overdid that. 
love the John Hurt character. Um, it was sad that we don't get more Paul McGann screen time, um, but I think some of those scenes work better than that. Uh, Billy Piper is probably uh, some of the best acting she's done mm. on Doctor Who for a very long time, although I did appreciate it. I just think for some fans, she overstayed a welcome, just as for some stand, uh, for some fans, uh, you know, Amy and Rory stayed too long. But that's not the actors and actresses' fault. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 it was excellent. The scale of it was brilliant. The the time rushed by. Uh, everything was great. Yeah. Um, and of course, the scene with the all the roundels, you see the people, fabulous, and uh, the lovely uh, vignette, as it were with the um, the uh, fourth Doctor, or the caretaker, uh, brilliant. Now, let me put my little theory, and I put it already in the Cult and Collective, so sorry to them if they've heard it before, but when the John Hurt Doctor goes back, uh, and as you quite rightly say, he he starts to regenerate, and we do see an eye change. Now, that eye change does definitely look like the Christopher Eccleston Ninth Doctor. But mm -hmm. this is what I'm thinking. They have, in effect, uh, you mentioned about Star Trek, they have, in effect, changed and diverged the universes from the, the day that Gallifrey falls. So what I'm thinking, and, um, you know, it's teaser, Stephen, and I don't know anything, by the way. I'm not giving any spoilers out. This is just my little own silly mind working on its own, um, has said, you know, well, you know, there's no more doctors. There's no more doctors. We've run out of generations. It's what I think is going to happen at some point is that the 11th doctor will die without being able to regenerate. But we will then flash back to the John Hurt mid-regeneration in an alternate timeline, right? Star Trek-y. And instead <laughs> of generating into Christopher Eccleston, it will be him that will generate into Peter Capaldi. So we will now have Peter Capaldi actually as the new uh, alternate ninth doctor. Which now, now, gives now you're making nine, my head explode. 10th, 11th, 12th. <laughs> Basically, what they did, a reboot. Basically, uh, one of the things that some people have said about this episode, uh, like you said with the, uh, uh, you know, the Queen Elizabeth thread, it's as though, um, and the, Mike Randall Thor said quite a lot of this, is that, you know, it's as though Stephen Moffat is planning to leave Doctor Who. Maybe he's going to see the first year of Peter Capaldi in, but I would say he's not going to see more than one year of Peter Capaldi. But he's, set it, he's basically resetting all the things that Russell T. Davies got rid of the Gallifreyans. Well, they're back. Uh, we, we heard that thing where the caretaker says to the 11th Doctor, you know, are you going to go in search of it? Um, in the very little short clip, I think, that there is, um, or at the end, it says something like the... The, the, the 11th Doctor says, in it, when they're the lined up, uh, like you said, he says something like, um, I'm going home, but the long way round. In other mm -hmm. words, a little bit like the 10th Doctor didn't die with his gas poisoning, radiation poisoning. He went on a tour, maybe for 100 years for all we know, before he went to the planet of the Ood and faced his ultimate fate. 
so I'm not necessarily thinking that we're going to be searching for Gallifrey or the Time Lords are going to come back anytime soon. But the point is, uh, you know, it's been written down now that that is some story arc for the future. But I think that what we're going to get is that they're, they're going to have something where the Matt Smith Doctor dies and unable to regenerate, ending that whole timeline. On, on Trenzalore. The, on Trenzalore. And in actual fact, then you think, well, that's it. We've got no more Doctor. And then they'll go to a teaser of uh, the John Hurt Doctor regenerating not into Christopher Eccleston, but into Peter Capaldi. I don't know if they if they did that. I think you're going to have a lot of upset fans. I don't know because it's it's it implies I, I that know. the. I'm not saying I want. By the way, yeah, I'm not saying I want that resolution, but I'm seeing that as a, a tricky dicky. Well, let's let's situation. hope that J.J. Abrams doesn't come and, and be the new producer of Doctor Who, because it's something that I would see yeah. him doing. <laughs> and and that's my warrior bravery of actually. Putting that message out there, so please don't throw any brickbats at me, people. It's not what I particularly want. It's just uh, one possible get-out clause from the sort of you know you know where they say, see Lewis did this. You know it, it, we all know about what happened to Sandy and that. Well, he had to play paint the floor of his flat, and he painted it and painted it, and he ended standing in the corner away from the door and the window. <laughs> Well, he hasn't got a window, I don't think. Painted himself in the corner. Uh, and all wet paint painted it to a corner, which is so easily done in something like this. Mm. There you go. I'm sure people are banging the, their uh, their MPEG-3 players on their <laughs> iPhones or whatever, all that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Anyone still using an MP3 player? <laughs> well, whatever, yeah. Uh, what are you talking about? Sony Walkman, some of them. <laughs> and uh, I haven't got Ian to keep me in check. That's the trouble. Well, I'm going to give because um, we haven't given our TARDIS groans uh, yet, and oh. uh, and I, I I will honestly say that on the first viewing, I probably would have only given this maybe three TARDIS groans, um, and then uh, maybe three and a half, and then on on the second viewing four, and on the third viewing maybe even four and a half. So um, I don't, you know, it just it, I don't. I guess maybe the first time there were just a lot of. I, I I saw a lot of holes that were filled in on the second viewing, and um, I don't know. For some reason, I I did like it more so on the subsequent viewings than I did initially. Um, not to say I, I I hated it at first. That's not far from the case. But I just liked it more as I I saw it again. So I I guess I'll give it four Tartar groans though. Um, with, with room that maybe the next time I see it, it will go up to four and a half or five. But um, it it seems it's very lovely. I I do enjoy it. Maybe I'll give it four and a half right now. Right. Well, the, I'm pretty much the same as you. Uh, uh, three and a half now. Four and a half. Mainly because I was delighted. I mean, I, I mean, David Tennant is my favourite Doctor. Uh, it always used to be the second Doctor, but uh, the tenth Doctor replaced him. Uh, Matt Smith, I quite like, but uh, I don't like some of the... Maybe it's the writing where they sometimes, you know, where he doesn't know how to deal with humans, and then sometimes he does know how to deal with humans and uh, uh, what have you. Uh, I'm not talking about the acting capabilities now. I just like the Tenth Doctor uh, uh, as, as to my mind, although some people think he's too uh, humanistic in, the, in his portrayal, uh, written. But um, I, I had this dilemma of whether... 
the David Tennant fan girls and boys would be so pleased to have him back they'd take anything uh they might feel as though he's his character's been undermined as you know let's face it i think of utopia where you know professor yana and him and he's admiring his work and well i'm a genius and you're a genius you know and uh, clever brainy specs and all that uh and um glasses yeah i was just thinking that the, so, <laughs> yeah so the so i i did feel as though they they undermined him but i mean there were so, i mean you said that the zygons weren't scary there was a couple of scary scenes in there for the kids i think so yeah uh, on first viewing uh, i was pinning it down to about three and a half definitely four and a half and 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 you you it, it could easily reach a five on further viewings and uh, i'm sure this people will give it a five simply because tom showed up at the end yeah that's um i mean that that and that end scene was a delight though I, I again i have to stress even the bbc luckily i i i didn't see it i i was on the um uh, before seeing this i was on the on one of the youtube um channels of theirs and and they have this clip i um and and they have you know the, the poster frame for the video just like pictures you know you see both tom baker and and matt smith in that scene and i'm like why i mean at least they could put something else as the poster frame for you know the the, the thumbnail you know so that you don't see that right away um luckily I, I i only saw like the top of tom baker's head and i didn't luckily I, I, I it wasn't spoiled that you know that scene wasn't spoiled for me but right it could have just easily been spoiled for other people so anyway um, but yeah, I think we're in agreement with this with this here. We have one last clip. Is this um, a preview for the Christmas special? Or is this next time? It's, no, it's, it's, it's well, it's the very end segment. It's only about ten seconds long. Uh, it was actually on the episode itself. Okay, here we go. This planet, what's it called? Trenzalore. So we're not even sure whether that's uh, looking at the pictures that they put up for the, uh, the Christmas story, whether that's something that will happen. That's not included after. on the, I mean, I've seen that. That's a separate thing that, that um, you can watch on, again, on the YouTube, on either BBC America or BBC proper uh, or both uh, that's available. But I don't believe, oh, right. I don't I believe be. that's on the episode itself oh, right. on iTunes. Right, it must have been. It must have been. Then I apologise for that, but it's it, it is sort of uh, a little sneak. Well, it's it's what it is. It's yeah, what it that, is. that, that it's, was um, that was the preview clip I was telling you that earlier. That was about eleven seconds uh, long. Right, and and that's it. Which right. doesn't Sorry, it gives you just a little taste of time of the Doctor, the time of the Doctor, which is going to be the Christmas special, which is I'm um, assuming is going to be on the twenty fifth, and that's a it's a Wednesday, it's not a Saturday, so let's hope it's on on you know on that day all right well um 25th wednesday indeed yeah hump day all right well i think that's gonna wrap it up for this episode we don't um again you can send us your feedback we want to hear what you think or what you thought of the day of the doctor the 50th anniversary special and um and as always as we did the call out in our last episodes you know what the 50th anniversary means to you um i mean you can send feedback on anything you don't have to i'm just giving out suggestions and ideas of what you can send in as feedback but uh let's hear what you have to do, say about the 50th anniversary special and what 50 years of doctor who means to you you can call it you could call, you send your feedback by calling the podshock public call box at uh 206 
350-6463. Again, that's a US um, area code, so just be aware of that. Or you could just record your audio feedback using your smartphone. Usually there's a voice memo feature. You can record something and then email it to feedback at podshock.net and it will get to us and uh, we welcome all your feedback. So in, until next time, Dave, thanks so much. It's been, um, it's been a great 50 years. You and I doing this podcast for 50 years now. It's hard to believe, but um, we're no worse for wear. We haven't aged at all, so I'm all, <laughs> I'm all pleased with that. Well, that, that's one of the advantages of audio, isn't it? <laughs> yes. you, you, you can't see how my hair has, <laughs> how I got snow on the roof now from compared to um, when we started. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, cheers, yeah, well, everyone. Hopefully, that oh. uh, people listening to this are listening to it over perhaps their Thanksgiving weekend, and hopefully they had enjoyed that tremendously. If they are a person who celebrates it, and that reminds me, uh, you can catch Dave on the Colton Collective every Sunday, I believe at two p.m. Eastern time in the U.S. and um, and Dave will tell you the talk shoe number. Oh, where the collective is on Torture ID 54821. And if you want to know a little bit more about the episodes of the past, go to cultman.com. Thank you. Very good. All right. And Ian couldn't make it tonight. And uh, we also, um, well, I, I won't spoil it. We, we'll, we also had someone else in mind that was going to be on tonight. But uh, last minute things and could, didn't work out. But this always room for the future yeah yeah he had a curating job to do yes <laughs> one of our future uh, one of our past faces we'll see in the future but only the favorite ones <laughs> <laughs> all right cheers everyone bye-bye you have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifreyNMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podchuck Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit arttrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. Am I having a midlife crisis? <laughs> Why are you pointing your screwdrivers like that? They're scientific instruments, not water pistols.